0: you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university. You don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility. You want to pursue your passion and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one on one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hello! It is so good to be back with you again this week You have sent in amazing questions, and it's really my favorite part, is opening my email and getting delicious design questions from my fans. So keep them coming. Keep sending in those design dilemmas to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com, and I will keep answering them. This week, we got so many that I am just going to skip the pleasantries, skip the small talk, and dive right in. So, I got a clarification this week from Laura, and I really appreciate that because last week somebody wrote in and they were asking about starting their own color consulting business. And I worried for them. I gave them advice that said, Wait, are you sure that there's a market for color consulting? When truly I feel and You know, I don't walk into somebody's home and create a color palette. Rather, I look for that inspiration piece, that piece of art, that pillow, that drape that has multiple colors from which I will derive that color palette. So I don't arbitrarily walk into a home thinking we're going to use green, yellow, and pink That doesn't even enter my mind. But certainly that's the way a lot of color consultants work. And so from my viewpoint, I was thinking, well, if somebody wants a color palette, they'll just hire a designer. But Laura from North Carolina has set me straight. She sent me an email this week, and I'm going to read it to you now. She wrote, Hi Betsy, I'm listening to your podcast from North Carolina and I wanted to chime in about this episode. I have twice hired an interior designer only to consult on color. I couldn't afford more than that at the time and it was very helpful. I was able to use that info to hire painters and do some painting myself, pick out new furniture when I could afford to buy, and add decor items, etc., I imagine the market is very different in North Carolina, but color consulting would be great here. My friends seem petrified to pick color schemes, but it's rare for anyone to hire a full-service designer. I hope that helps, Laura. And Laura, it certainly does help. And I hope that that gives hope to the writer who wrote in from also the South, I think it was from West Virginia, letting me know she was thinking about this business. I was sorry to dissuade her, but still I worry... And while I think it's really important to find that niche, to find that specific thing that you do really well and stick to it, I think in an industry that's service based and when you're starting a new business without a lot of clout or credentials or press behind you when you're somewhat unknown, I think the more things you could potentially put out there in terms of a menu to see what people respond to, the better. So I'm still gonna recommend that you do that paint consulting as well as the color consulting in terms of finding those palettes. And then if you wanted to layer on a design service, well, I think you might get some interest. So there we go. My next question this week has come from Megan. Megan wrote me, Betsy, I know mid-century modern is all the rage and I am definitely on board. How do I incorporate these elements without it looking too retro? Also, can you recommend where to shop for this style? There are some great stores where you can shop for this style. The key to not going too retro, first of all, is to not actually buy anything vintage. So you're going to want to avoid First Dibs, Cherish, Craigslist. You don't want those authentic pieces if you don't want it to look too mod. I myself am a mid-century junkie. I would love it to look like it was plucked out of... The TV screen from the Brady Bunch, my home personally, so I did go on Cherish. I did buy some really specific, authentic mid-century pieces because I want that flavor. But if you just want a little bit of the flair, I would recommend shopping at article.com. Of course, West Elm has a lot of that right now. And I think somebody who's doing it in a really sophisticated and contemporary way is Room and Board. Room and Board has a lot of pieces that have that mid-century inspiration, but they're using fresher colors. They're using um, different types of wood so that it's not all that same teak and walnut, even though the lines might be nice and clean or geometric, like you might find in mid-century. So those are the stores I'd recommend that you shop at, um, and I hope that helped. But certainly, if you want to go overboard like I do then key in with those bright colors, those interesting patterns, that funky wallpaper. But in your case, Megan, you're gonna tone it down. And you know, one thing that I was thinking about when I read your email, I was thinking about those markers now i'm just going to date myself right now but those crayola markers of course they had the classic colors and then they came out with the pastel do you remember that but they also came out with this other line that was really just a flash in the pan unfortunately they didn't offer it for all that long and it was called their bold collection And it had colors like yellow ochre, which is sort of a mustard yellow. It had a deep teal, kind of a magenta burgundy that had hints of purple. It had a blue that had this teal twang. That was my favorite set of markers, and all those colors tend to really resonate with somebody who's into mid-century. So maybe you want to avoid that bold palette I was referring to, avoiding the teals, magentas, ochres, emeralds, navies, those typical jewel tones, and instead go more for primaries or neutrals, which might have less of that mid-century strong hand, if you will. All right, Megan, thanks for writing. So before we continue to our next segment, let's cut for a commercial break. Then I have even more questions. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well... There is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode Let me get to my next question, which came from Lauren. Lauren wrote me this week and she wrote, "Uh uh-oh, my husband and I are divided. We've been DIYing our decor with the help of your book and podcast. But when is it time to bring in a professional designer? I think it's time to bring in a professional designer when you guys have stopped making choices at all. So, so many times I see, in fact, somebody just came into my storefront last week and she said, my husband and I have been married for, I think it was 21 years. And we get along in every other respect practically, except that we just really have differing design styles. And instead of angering him or instead of indulging myself, we just don't buy anything. So we have grown up together, we have raised our children together, and we've never lived in a home that we're happy with. And that was devastating to me, just to be sort of adrift stylistically and to just never buy a pillow because you are afraid of offending your partner. I think when you stop making choices, when you're paralyzed, when you're really worried that it's impacting your relationship on a deeper level, whether it's your relationship with your partner or your relationship to your home, that is time to really call in the professional. In other words, I would think of, you know how when you're in the ER and they give you that triage sheet where number one is feeling no pain at all and number 10 is childbirth or kidney stone? Um, Where are you falling on that spectrum in terms of your disagreement? If it's anything above a five, I think it's time to bring in a professional. It's time for some ER triage and you know with price points being as low as they are certainly we have a very low rate at affordable interior design but there's a lot of other companies as well getting that professional design device is more affordable than ever but also it can help start a conversation so today we had another client call who booked an appointment and he said We very well may not buy anything that your designer suggests because we like to look for options on Craigslist, we like to go flea market shopping, we like to garage sale, but we just need an inspiration. We just need a direction. And that's what I think an interior designer can really do for you too, is just set you guys on a path. I told the anecdote of my husband, who we get along in lots of different respects, and he lets me do pretty much what I want in our home, thank goodness, or else that would have been a non-starter. But he did have some musts. He didn't want it to feel too cold or too unapproachable, which mid-century, my preferred style, can sometimes feel. It can feel like I don't want to just jump into my couch at the end of a long day. He wanted something comfortable, even if it still had that mid-century vibe. Additionally, he wanted it to reflect something that he really loves, which are the colors of his favorite sports team. So we had to integrate blue and orange for Syracuse in all of our main rooms. And I was happy to make that concession because then I got to pick whatever I wanted, as long as there were splashes of those colors. So is there a way that you guys can find common ground? Can you ask him, outside of differing on individual pieces, what he really wants to get out of that design experience. Is he just worried that your modern aesthetic won't be comfortable for him at the end of a long day? Or is he worried that it's gonna be so neutral that he won't be able to respond to any colors in the room or when his friends come over to watch the game, they'll be like, what is this? Where are the flags, banners? Um, I don't even know what kind of sports paraphernalia, uh, posters. So it's finding out what's at the root of the argument And sometimes if you're not able to get there yourself, certainly a designer can be a great person to say, I hear you not wanting, you know, a wooden armchair. I hear you wanting something that's upholstered. Why? And then, oh, he wants it to be comfortable. Oh, he's worried about stains. Well, I can give you a leather upholstery and we're solved. The problem is solved. So sometimes it can be as easy as asking a few more questions to fully understand where the disagreement lies. I hope that helped. Kelly is my last question of the week. And she wrote, Betsy, I love open shelving. Uh Uh-oh. You guys know how I feel about open shelving, right? She wrote, Betsy, I love open shelving, either in the kitchen or the living room, but I'm not sure how to style it without it looking cluttered. Do you have any tips? Of course I have tips, Kelly. Who do you think you've called? Um, I have plenty of tips for you. The first thing is open shelving is for the very fastidious and the very minimal, especially in a kitchen because I see, in fact, I have a neighbor who didn't want any upper cabinets. She just wanted shelving. In fact, I have a client I just helped the other day in Westchester who wanted open shelving, not a cabinet. And you really have to be tidy. You really have to have cute dishes that match. You really have to style them in such a way that it looks very clean because a kitchen already you know, if it doesn't look clean is very unappetizing. Unlike a living room where if it feels a little cluttered and a little dusty, we're all going to forgive you. That does not work in a kitchen. So the fact that you wouldn't have that cabinet to help with the dust dropping, you know, to prevent that from happening on top of the dishes, to help with the concealing of the odd mugs. My husband, speaking of husband issues, continually is bringing home gooftastic mugs. I can't take it. You don't even drink coffee. Stop bringing home mugs. Um, but I just worry that those are going to be exposed unless you are perfectly perfect. In terms of a living room and that open shelving, those floating shelves, I just don't want you to overpack them because then they look precarious. You know, a floating shelf is supposed to look so stylish because it's floating. You can't see a whole bunch of brackets or mounts. It looks pretty seamless and decorative. So don't think of it as an extra opportunity for storage. Don't think of it as a bookshelf that you can line from end to end because even if you've got it anchored in the wall very solidly, it's still going to feel precarious. It's still going to visually feel uncomfortable. So think about that when you're styling that shelf and don't pack it full. Just create those little vignettes, those tiny moments of display. So Kelly, I hope that helped keep your questions coming. I truly love to answer them. Of course, you can send them to our Facebook page at Affordable Interior Design. You can send them to my personal email at Betsy at Affordable Interior dot com. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, Bye.